Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Billboard Pop Shop Podcast. I'm Keith Caulfield, Billboard Senior Director of Charts. And I'm Katie Atkinson, Billboard's Deputy Editor Digital. Hello, Katie. How are Hi, you? Hi, Keith. I'm doing great. How about yourself? I'm fabulous. Fabulous! That's the best answer we've gotten in weeks. I mean, I'm sort of. I'm, I mean, yes, I'm fabulous. Let's like, stick I'm with like, it. Am I going to backpedal? No, I'm not. <laughs> no, it's fabulous. No. It's a fabulous day. It's a fabulous day. Everything's coming up, Millhouse. Um, <laughs> because, as always, the Billboard Pop Shop podcast is your one-stop shop for all things pop on Billboard's weekly charts. In addition. You can always count on a lively discussion about the latest pop news, fun chart stats and stories, new music and guest interviews with music stars and folks from the world of pop. Today on the show, we have a special episode where we're answering questions from you. That's right. We have teamed up with the other senior director of charts, Gary Trust, who writes the Ask Billboard column on Billboard.com to answer some questions sent in by Billboard readers and chart fans. But first, before we get started, if you enjoy the podcast, subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast provider so you won't miss an episode. And if you want to explore more podcasts from Billboard, visit billboard.com slash podcasts. Before we get into the questions, if you want to submit your own Bernie music questions or chart questions to the Ask Billboard mailbag, you can. All you have to do is send an email to askbb at billboard.com, or you can send Gary a question via Twitter, if you'd like, at gthot20. Okay, so let's get into the very first question, and it is from Brian C. Cole, who asks, Did Machine Gun Kelly and Black Bears, my ex's best friend, make any history by spending a year on the Billboard Hot 100 despite peaking outside the chart's top 10? Okay, this is definitely all Keith. Keith, what is the answer to that question? And I will defer to Gary. Right. (laughs) Because Gary manages the Hot 100, and he kindly 
gave us an answer in Gary's own words. Yeah, so Brian asks Katie, Katie asks Keith, Keith asks Gary, and go. <laughs> it's the way. It's the way. It's the way of. It's the way of the pod, everybody. <laughs> um, all right. So Gary says the weekend's blinding lights stole the spotlight recently when it notched its 88th week on the Hot 100, dated August 21st marking a new record for the longest run ever on the chart, which began in 1958. It passed Imagine Dragons Radioactive, which spent 87 weeks on the Hot 100 from 2012 on through 2014. However, MGK and Black Bear enjoyed a notable longevity, as well as My Ex's Best Friend just fell off the Hot 100 after 52 weeks. Having peaked at number 20 in May, it's one of only seven songs to have spent a year or more on the chart, but without hitting the top 10. Wow, seven. That's very rare company. Yeah, all of them, however, were still big hits, peaking between numbers 11 and number 20. How rare a feat is that? Well, exactly 80 songs overall have spent a year or more on the Hot 100 and 73 of them, not surprisingly, hit the top 10, and 28 of them hit number one. Okay, so if 73 of those 80 songs all hit the top 10, that means, as Keith said, there are seven songs that spent at least a year on the, top, on the Hot 100 but never made the top 10. So I guess you know, that's it's, the answer to our question. That is the answer to our question. And, you know, it's not always necessarily where you peak at on the chart, but... About the entire journey of the song, and I say this as someone who can immediately recall how Madonna's The Power of Goodbye and the Spice Girls' Goodbye, lots of byes and goodbyes there, (laughs) and Macklemore and Ryan Ryan Lewis's Same Love all peaked at number 11. As we've talked about before, sometimes the sort of uh, saddest numbers on the chart are numbers 2, 11, and 41. Um, but in this do? case, what are you in do? this case, these these particular songs had a very very lengthy run on the chart, and uh, even though they didn't make the top ten, that's okay. They're still huge <laughs> hits. We okay. So obviously, since there are only seven, I'm sure people who are listening right now are like, "What are those seven songs that spent?" We're not going to tell year? you. Yeah. Well, you know what? Go to Billboard.com to find. <laughs> no. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> um, well, let's 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 we can list them off. Let's start with the songs that spent 52 weeks on the chart a year, and work our way towards those with the most weeks on the list without okay. having reached the top 10. Okay. So. There are three songs that all spent. Is this exactly 52 weeks? Yes. Exactly 52 weeks on the list, but didn't make the top 10. And those songs are James Arthur's Say You Won't Let Go, which peaked at number 11. Sorry, James. Marin Morris's The Bones, which peaked at number 12. And Machine Gun Kelly and Black Bears, My Ex's Best Friend, which peaked at number 20. Then we have the band Perry's If I Die Young, which spent 53 weeks on the chart, peaking at number 14. Duncan Sheik's late 1990s hit Barely Breathing with 55 weeks. I love that song of, so much. I love that. I love Duncan Sheik. I love Duncan Sheik. Peaked at number 16. And another late 90s hit, this time from Paula Cole with I Don't Wanna Wait which spent 56 weeks on the chart, peaking at number 11, also famously the theme song to Dawson's Creek. 
this is my like just my teenagehood all wrapped up into one. But yeah, I, I think that the thing that all of those songs have in common are that they uh, like were just around for a long time. Like obviously, they just Hence like why they were on the chart around. for so long, Katie. <laughs> that oh, is that what it was? Yeah. Um, and lastly, AWOL Nation sale holds the record for the most weeks on the chart without reaching the top 10 as the single spent 79 weeks on the Hot 100 and peaked at number 17 in 2013. Uh, Most of those songs actually have a common thread in that they were usually slow-burning crossover hits that may have started at one particular radio format Say, Marin Morris's The Bones or the band Perry's If I Die Young both launched at country radio. And then, after a lengthy time burning up the country airwaves, both tracks eventually began crossing over to mainstream top 40 and adult top 40 formatted radio stations. And in turn, uh, keeping both songs afloat on the Hot 100 for a hefty amount of time because as... Basically, as the song sort of peaked at country radio, it started to fall down the Hot 100, and then it started to work its way up towards in the other formats of radio. So normally, if you're just a country-only song or a top 40-only song, you will go up and down the chart within a few months. Not so if you happen to sort of take a very leisurely uh, stroll across all the different radio formats possible. You end up sticking around the chart for, well, a year sometimes. (laughs) Right. Um, Also... Gary, bless him, got even more curious. Of course he did. (laughs) It's like me. I get into a (laughs) rabbit hole and I can't get out. This is why they have these jobs, everybody. Yeah. As for the longest lasting Hot 100 hit to not even make the top 40. Well, that record was recently set to Keith Urban and Pink's One Too Many also fell off the Hot 100 in August after 34 weeks, during which it peaked at number 52. Still, it became Urban's 41st Top 10 and Pink's second on the Hot Country Songs chart in July. Right. Um, And before we move on, as I look at that list that Gary gave us, which shows all the tracks with the longest runs on the Hot 100, but the songs that missed the Top 10... They're just, like, crazy popular hit. Like, I gotta get back to this. Yeah, I mean, I was immediately struck by Leanne Womack's I Hope You Dance and Crystal Waters' 100% Pure Love. Both seem like, you know, well, like, standards now. Right. And they kind of are. But I Hope You Dance, despite spending 48 weeks on the chart, peaked at number 14. And 100% Pure Love, it spent 45 weeks on the chart, peaking at number 11. Gosh darn it, 11. For two weeks... In late 1994. Okay, and what about, it's back to my high school days again, what about Dishwalla's Counting Blue Cars? That song was like everywhere in 1996. Actually, I guess that was middle school for me. Um, it peaked at, at number 15, but it spent 47 weeks on the chart. It's just, it's, it's, it's crazy sometimes how these charts work out. <laughs> Okay, let's move on to our next question, which comes from William William Silva in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. All right. Um, they want the pop shop to come to Brazil someday. That's what, that's what <laughs> William did not actually say that. Um, <laughs> William asks, August 20th marked Demi Lovato's 29th birthday. Could you please recap Demi's top-selling album, most streamed song, and biggest hit on radio in the U.S.? 
A big thanks in advance. Well, thank you for the question, William. Yes. And belated happy birthday wishes to Billboard chart topper Demi, who has been charting since July of 2008 when This Is Me with Joe Jonas and Who Will I Be, both from the Disney Channel TV movie Camp Rock, in which Demi co-starred with Joe, uh, hit the charts. Lovato's top-selling album in the U.S. is Don't Forget, which was released in 2007 and has sold 554,000 copies in America, according to MRC data. Didn't ask, but Demi's second biggest-selling album is 2011's Unbroken, with 536,000 copies sold. As for Demi's most streamed song in the U.S., is Sorry Not Sorry, which has accumulated 1.04 billion with a B on demand streams. It's perhaps not surprising that Sorry Not Sorry is also Demi's highest charting single on the Hot 100, uh, having peaked at number six in 2017. And the last part of your question, William, what's Demi's biggest hit on the radio in the US? Well, it was almost Sorry Not Sorry, with 2.8 billion in airplay audience impressions, but sorry, not sorry, <laughs> that's Demi's second biggest hit in terms of cumulative U.S. audience impressions. Biggest radio hit for Demi? Well, that's actually Give Your Heart a Break with 2.9 billion audience impressions. There's so many billions, Keith. So many billions. <laughs> billions and billions served. Uh-huh. Uh, while Give Your Heart a Break peaked outside the top 10 on the Hot 100, reaching number 16, it did mark Demi's first top 10 on the all-format radio songs chart in 2012 when it reached number 6. It also hit number 1 on the Pop Airplay chart that year, Demi's first of two number 1s on the chart, and Demi later topped the list with Sorry Not Sorry. This is not actually a question, but an insightful observation, as always, from this writer, Pablo Nelson of Oakland, California. This is a, this is a Gary acolyte, Pablo Nelson. <laughs> okay. The Kid Leroy and Justin Bieber's Stay is a great tune. I'm glad to see it at the top of the Hot 100. And cool that Charlie Puth is connected to a number one again, as he's one of its writers. He previously co-wrote Wiz Khalifa's 2015 12-week Hot 100 number one, See You Again, on which he's also featured. That makes two new Hot 100 number ones in a row, co-written by talents who've also had leaders under their own names. In July, BTS debuted at number one with Permission to Dance. Ed Sheeran is one of that song's writers, and he's notched two number ones of his own, Shape of You and Perfect. Dang, well, that is yeah, that, that's a great trivia question, is what that is. Yeah, it's not. I mean, obviously, it's not really a question. It's more of just a statement of fact. Um, but it is interesting how uh, the Puth um, mm-hmm. co-wrote "Stay," and I think that probably most people probably wouldn't necessarily know that unless they follow Charlie on social media. Um, but um, I think it's kind of interesting to to note when. Um, there have been artists who have maybe moonlighted on the side as a songwriter for someone else. Um, I was looking through um, the Hot 100 in recent years to see if there was any other examples. Um, there's, I mean, there's not perfect examples like Ed Sheeran and and Puth, to be fair. 
Um, but I did look, and in the past few years, we've had a couple number ones that were written by someone other than the credited artist, and that writer was also someone who had their own previous Hot 100 hit as a credited artist. And I initially had like sampled songs in this list, but I felt that was kind of a cheat because that would have included Old Town Road by Lil Nas X featuring Billy Ray Cyrus because it sampled a Nine Inch Nails Mm. track. And Nine Inch Nails, of course, have been on the Hot 100 before, but that seems like it's not quite the same thing as Charlie Puth or Ed Sheeran writing something for another artist. Um, It seemed like it was almost like an accident, you know? Okay, but one one example that you did find is that Shawn Mendes and Camila Cabello's Senorita hit number one in 2019, and the track was co-written in part by Charlie XCX, who had previously notched three top tens on her own, including the number one Fancy, which was credited to Iggy Azalea, featuring Charlie XCX. Right. Um, I, I also saw how um, Lady Gaga and Bradley Cooper's Shallow was co-written by Mark Ronson, and Ronson had previously logged his own Hot 100 hits as a credited artist, including the number one Uptown Funk, featuring Bruno Mars. This one's kind of a cheat, since Ronson is best known as a producer, songwriter, and DJ, and not, say, a singer. Right, But, I mean, it still kind of counts, sort of, right? Yeah. Yeah. Sure. (laughs) Sure. Uh, Thanks. Okay, so what current artists who are on the Hot 100 can we see notching future hits as a songwriter for others? I'm wondering. Um, you know, Taylor Swift is actually a good example because she's done this in the past, um, kind of donating leftover songs to right. Sugarland and Little Big Town, for example. Now we're gonna hear those on the upcoming Red re-release. We'll hear Taylor's own versions from right. the uh, from the vault. And, uh, you know, of course, Justin Bieber, Dua Lipa, Olivia Rodrigo, these are all artists who um, co-write their their song. So it, you'd think that they could technically have some things that, you know, fall by the wayside in the future that another artist picks up and does their own version of. Um, I always wonder, like, how, like, an artist, like, you know, someone like a, a, a Dua or a Charlie Puth or, or someone, I wonder... <sighs> You know, wouldn't they always want to keep something for their for themselves? Because it's like, oh, this sounds like a hit. Why would I want to give it away? But like, maybe, maybe Charlie Puth, when he was working on stage, just felt like, no, like this was always meant to be for someone else. I was always going to do this writing session with someone else. Yeah, it's funny. I think Charlie's an interesting example, and you know, someday we could ask him ourselves. But it felt like, um, you know, see you again. It felt like he did that chorus, but it could have ended up in another artist's hands, but they decided to keep him on the song. And that's almost how he, like, fell into becoming a pop star. Like, he, I think, was a writer, was a musician, was a creator, first and foremost, before he was necessarily planning to be a pop artist, you know? Whereas a Dua Lipa, you know, has always, you know, been front and center. Um, And also feels like she's probably always creating with herself in mind, whereas Charlie, it kind of feels like he might just be prolifically creating, period, for whatever that is for, because it feels like he can't turn that, you know, that musician brain off. At least that also from following him on on, uh, socials, that it appears that's the case. It'll be interesting to see, uh, you know, who will be the next uh, sort of Ed Sheeran or Puth type that'll Mm -hmm. have a number one hit on the Hot 100 as a songwriter for someone else. We, we didn't even mention, real quick, Ed Sheeran co-writing Justin Bieber's Love Yourself. Since oh, we've you mentioned go. both Justin and Ed. 
So, yeah. Well, after all that, thank you very much uh, to Gary Trust yes, and, hey. of course, uh, those folks who contributed questions and just interesting thoughts and statements of fact to the Ask Billboard mailbag. And, of course, if you have any questions or thoughts you want to submit to Ask Billboard, you can at askbb at billboard.com or just tweet Gary at gthot20 on Twitter. And now it is time for the chart stat of the week. This week in 1984, Tina Turner got her first and only number one on the Hot 100 with What's Love Got to Do With It. The single rose two to one on the chart dated September 1st, 1984, and spent three weeks atop the list. It was the second single from Turner's mega successful comeback album, Private Dancer, which launched five top 40 charting hits on the Hot 100. Among them were three top tens, What's Love, and Better Be Good To Me, a number five hit, and the album's title track, a number seven hit. Ironically, Though What's Love became a signature number one smash for Turner, it wasn't written for her, and she didn't even like the song when she recorded it. Whoa, this is news Such to me. Such is life. <laughs> you didn't know that, really? I did not know that. Yeah, like a number of artists passed on it before it got wow. to her, and she didn't like the track, and I think maybe it probably took a little bit of convincing, and look at it now. Wow. Hey. Um, well, the Private Dancer album would spend most of the fall of 1984 stuck at its peak of number three on the Billboard 200 chart, lodged behind Prince and the Revolution's Purple Rain soundtrack and Bruce Springsteen's Born in the USA. Truly, not bad company, really. Yeah. Later this year, Turner will be inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame for the second time as a performer and the first time as a soloist. She was earlier inducted as one half of Ike and Tina Turner. So there you have it. This week in 1984, it was all about love on the charts, as Tina Turner hit number one on the Hot 100 with What's Love Got to Do With It. We've reached the end of our big special shoe. Any parting words, Katie? That was fun. I feel like we should have... Uh... Gary A and R our show every week. <laughs> sure, Gary can help associate produce or yeah, executive produce something like sure. that. <laughs> what song should we go out on? Oh man, um, what if I have no ideas in my brain? Ooh, how about some other? What well, about another Charlie Puth song? Like which one? <laughs> attention. Um. Oh my God, I love that song. Yes, attention. We'll go. Hundred percent. We'll go out on attention, and we'll see you guys next time. Bye. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.